Good morning and welcome to Recovery Central. And Rachel is here again. Good morning, Rachel. Hello, morning. Yeah, we were going to talk about rehab and ways into rehab and how we find it. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's probably a fair bit of confusion out there in the world at large. Oh yes, rehabs, what do rehabs do? They don't know what rehabs do, a lot of people. A lot of doctors don't know what rehabs do. And there's a lot of confusion over access to. Yeah. I mean, it's all very well for me to say at the end of a programme, look for help. And then actually you Google it and there's all sorts of things suddenly thrown at you and you don't know which one's which. Mm -hmm. So in terms of access, how did it happen for you? So the long process was the self-referrals, the contacting SIAS, as it still is now, uh, some despair. But they were phone conversations and a few one-to-ones, but that was down to me to go, which didn't continue. I didn't sustain that. I wouldn't engage for whatever reason. My GP simply didn't. At the time, as I remember it, and it might not be completely right, but well, apart from the fact that I was lying to him about how much I was drinking, yeah. he wasn't equipped to signpost, didn't have any information at that point. Was visibly concerned, but didn't do an awful lot. And I think that went on for probably about four or five years. And then an intervention from family was just shut the door, and that was that, solved. <laughs> and shut the curtains, send them all away, it'll be abusive. So I was in hospital with, with numerous alcohol-induced issues and on my last bout with some support from a good friend my oldest friend and my family member well they insisted that the ambulance took me that day and at that point I had re-engaged with SIAS and a very astute man a nice guy went out and sort of shouted the odds how poorly I was again insisted that I got took and I was treated in hospital for several things resulting in a blood transfusion, then broke the back of my detox in hospital. But on discharge, that's when this administrative process happened, where yeah. there was the facilitator, the detox lead at the Clarity House, the nurse, the mental health nurse, the adult social worker. And also there was somebody from outreach, I think, all kind of assembled around the bed and did the paperwork. That's how I remember it, and the referral was made, and I was almost... My feet didn't touch the ground after I left the hospital. But it happened like that because you went into a pretty severe physical crisis. Yeah. You could say it was a community referral. It was all hands on deck, but I had to be extremely ill. I had an ultrasound on my liver, which my GP sent me for, mm. because I did finally tell my GP just how much yeah. I was drinking, how much I wasn't eating. Yeah. And the two things combined don't half knack your liver in a very short period of time. Yeah. And the ultrasound revealed that there were problems developing, yeah. significant ones. And it wasn't just an alcoholic fatty liver, it was, if you're not careful, this is going to spiral way beyond anyone's control. And that combined with the figures, my doctor laid it on the line and said, if you carry on like this, you've only got months before you're yeah. going to be very, very ill, if not dead. But I still had to physically take that myself to the person I was supposed to see at size every two weeks and talk about what I was going to do. And once I'd done that, suddenly wheels were in motion quite quickly. Yeah. I think it's a case of if I know that I'm in a situation where I'm getting way, way, way worse, whether it's mentally, physically or both, I need to make sure I'm armed with a bit of paper that says how bad it is and I need to be as honest as possible in order for those people to help me. I wish I could be a lot more descriptive, but it was multi-agency, but it literally took... One individual from Soyuz to go out and lay it down for the ambulancemen yeah. before they would take me. Because yeah. they'd been to see me so many times, things like pneumonia and things like TB that yeah. I, those were medicated 
and you were sent on your way. But at this point, the chap said, I remember his name, I don't know whether he's, he's I'm sure he still works there. But there was Alex Davey, who was the lead, and Ben, who was my real advocate that day, said, she's not eating, so she's not eating, she's not got the strength to recover on her own, you've got to tell yeah. this girl. And they did, and that's when yeah. they realised the extent of it, and my ranges were all out, and I needed a blood transfusion. And Yeah, I do remember them all at the bed doing the process that was required, and I was just going, yep, 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 yep. Wherever you're going to take me, wherever you're going to put me, please do it quickly. And I was absolutely mm. on board, as sick as I was. With a clear head on, I see that ambulances and paramedics portray a certain role yeah. and they have a certain function. And when they go to something, they decide whether they're taking someone to hospital yeah. or not. And that there's then another process where someone will go into an MAU or whatever, depending yeah. on yeah. how ill they are. And that actually you're not really going to find how ill they are. They would have done numerous do visits to my house where yeah. I was drunk and my vitals were fine. Absolutely. So yeah. off they'd pop and I'd wasted their time. Yes, and that kind of accumulates. And ultimately, hospitals are only going to deal with people who are so physically ill that yeah. there's no other option. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. But nevertheless, there are organisations out there that want alcoholics and addicts make it clear just what state they're in. Yeah that the process of admission becomes possible. Yes. And yours was quite extreme. Mine would have got that way if I hadn't managed to do, it was my GP that told me to go and take this to there and, and say this. Yeah. But if I hadn't been open to that, I'd have ended up probably in the same situation as you did. I was no longer a handful either because I couldn't physically leave, which is how devastating it apparently has to get. But it's understandable. In the grand scheme of things, I think provided we are willing to accept that any rehab out there, whatever we tell them in terms of what we've been doing, they're going to have heard of the excesses before. They're going to have heard of the damage before. And if I go and Google and look for detox, I'm probably going to see lots of things that cost a lot of money. If I go and Google for rehab, I could get all manner of different things. But it's a question of putting a foot in the door in the first place. And even before you went to hospital, you had done that. Yeah. Yes. My understanding of SOIAS was that it was an integrated treatment service for addiction substance issues. But I'd engaged with them in my 20s. I'm not being delicate about it. I was a heroin addict before I was an alcoholic. But it's difficult, again, to look at how the lack of engagement... I literally was not going to my appointments. And I was on a maintenance script for yeah. a long, long period of time. And provided I sit my head above water or put my hand up and say, yeah, I'm picking up the methadone and the pharmacist confirmed that, they left me alone. Mm-hmm. So I never really had any period of clean time from, I was off street gear, but I was just using a synthetic opiate and I actually did that for years without talking about it. So it just became part of functioning. So there was no one I was telling, although they did try and coordinate a reduction. But that's quite easily manoeuvred if you don't want it to stop. You start to feel unwell as you come down off your script, you just say, I need it popped back up again, or easily manipulated. For me, it was. So I was stuck on script for a long, long time. And then my own solution to that was to come off methadone and drink myself into hospital. Because I found a substitute for any other things I hadn't looked at. All the other things I hadn't yeah. addressed, all the emotional pain, all the stuff that was dreadful in my life, all my grievances, yeah. all the nonsense that filled my head. I can come off methadone and be a good housewife, but I'll need to drink a lot of vodka to feel better. And that's what happened. 
but again a long long period of time before I was drinking alcoholically but again that's not strictly true because I was still drinking a hell of a lot more than most people do to get up and not be an absolute shattered wreck I needed to drink first thing in the morning I do think nevertheless that there are plenty of options for people to find rehab before they end up at the end of the road yeah. and before they end up very significantly physically ill yeah. because one of the decisions that you make on admission to rehab is regardless of what their physical stats say is this what they need because mm -hmm. if they're only 25 they're not likely to have the same complications as someone at 45 no. No. and certainly in terms of access I mean there are places in Birmingham there's more than just changes there are other places yes of course I suppose the significant thing that Changes is doing now is opening a detox and this is much needed and it gives a more complete process I suppose in being 12 weeks rather than 8 in doing detox and then doing treatment. Well I certainly needed to go in and live in there, that's yeah. what I needed, that's what was required. Oh me too. Absolutely without doubt and that not being available to some localities and some people, it's amazing that that was took away and now it's back which is phenomenal. It's much needed and I'm glad it's there. I needed to just slow right down and not have anybody scrutinising me from outside of that place and that's what happened in there. I couldn't try and deliberate my life because it was happening in a very small environment that felt perfectly safe and really trivial or not. Those worries in there were really about when do we go to a meeting or yeah. if we go to a meeting or who's coming on the next shift or who's washed a cover. But yeah, that's it's petty stuff, isn't petty, it? Petty, but absolutely all that I was equipped to cope with. And that's a very important point, because I think for someone who's never been before to see residential, it's probably, oh shit. But actually, residential is the best thing, because it takes me completely away from my so-called life outside. Yeah. And whatever your life is outside, whether you still have social circles, whether you don't, if you need to be removed from society in order to focus on getting into recovery, of course you need eight weeks yeah. or 12 weeks or whatever. Because if you've been using and drinking for 20 years, yeah. 12 weeks really isn't a very long period of time. No. And I don't think people should be fearful about this word residential when they see things for rehabs. Because actually it's one of the things that breaks the back of it. Absolutely. I never felt shackled. I never felt, like you said earlier about punity, it didn't feel that way. It just felt somewhere safe. There was no exit strategy or attempt to go, I need to get back out, although those thoughts came, but they left quite quickly because something else would come up, that, which would me, be a conversation with someone else or something, yeah. you know, or a group. And that, for me, of course, as well, okay, I obviously didn't want to leave. I made it impossible for myself to leave yeah. to a degree by giving up my flat. Yeah. But then to have a dry house process that went on afterwards, yeah. it meant that the immediate thought wasn't, I need to go back to the normal this and normal that because I've got somewhere to go back to and I've got this to do. The fact is, I didn't have anything no. massively significant to do. I didn't have anywhere that I really ought to be going and it only made sense to stay. But the intensity of that is enough to take back the door. I remember you saying in a meeting about being a control freak and I remember sitting thinking, I'm not a control freak. I am absolutely a control freak. Yeah, we all are. You just learn so much about yourself, but it needs to be 
need to slow down. That happened for me. Yeah, and if I want to change my life, I have to do something radical. Because it doesn't matter whether I'm physically ill or not. If I've reached a mental point where I know I need to change everything, then I ain't going to do that by just going into a handful of meetings and then living the same way at home and being dry drunk. I'm only going to do it by having a total run-into-a-wall stop whether that's mental, physical or both, a total run into the wall job, if that's happened, yeah. then I need a complete circuit break. I need a complete defrag, I need a complete reboot. Because otherwise, I'm not going to find a changed life. And I'm not going to be able to change things. And I'm not going to have any context on it. No. And I'm like a dog chasing its tail, whether I am drinking or not. And I went through that process of thinking, I can fix this. But the reason why rehabs exist is because I can't fix this. And certainly for me, it wouldn't have been enough to just go back to the room. No. The long tales of how life has bent you over and the stuff that happened and weren't nobody's fault but them. <laughs> you have to look at that stuff, don't you? Examine where you fit in it all. And thinking that drinking drugs isn't the problem. That can only happen with some quiet. And those kind of revelations can only happen away from your old environment, away from the, the yeah. old behaviours, the old habits. Just old stuff, isn't it? That It does happen for some, but it couldn't have happened for me. I had to go away and be looked after. That, for me, is the proof of it. It's that the important thing about rehab is that it gives me separation yeah. from what I was doing. It gradually gives me context. Yeah. And also, in terms of what changes gave me, it gives me time, and time that is not strictly finite the only finite thing in there is the treatment time mm -hmm. but after that it moves on and it moves on at a pace that will work for me mm. not someone else's and that for me is why the overall holistic thing of you've got to treat the whole person where you start with the physical which is detoxing them you then move into starting to treat them and get them to see what is going on and why we've drunk used to the point whereby we're so very ill and then gradually giving that time in a dry house process where I can find my feet again and I can slowly start to walk again which is so much more than just this idea of going in for four weeks and my family thinks I'm fixed and that's why if any families are listening that's why we need a couple of years oh gosh well I still think that certain circumstances they feel like they're conspiring against you and it's just simply not true that you feel like you're on your own but you, some people aren't, they've got lots of supportive people but again it becomes more of a hindrance or in a neighbouring situation yeah. so to go somewhere else away from it all, no shame in it at all. Absolutely. Yeah I learned to be sober around my family following After. the rehab process yeah. not before. And I think trust is big so there wasn't Similar circumstances. It was difficult then to re-assimilate back into my life, but not necessarily around the, the real important aspects. But the trust in the place, so to trust the staff and trust your peers, trust the people you're in treatment with, was really crucial for me. I didn't go in with a cynical attitude. I didn't go in thinking that everybody was all bust up, so there must be horrible people who had done dreadful things. I didn't go in with that attitude, and it opened my mind to all walks of life and why people end up dependent on drinking drugs on the It's not even the end of the line for some people, is it? 
I just found some real peace and quiet. I found that collective sense too, that I'm not on my own. Because if I'm sitting in my flat and thinking, right, I'll go to a meeting, I'll go and see the alcohol drugs counsellor that I go and see, I'll do this, I'll do that, there's still a sense of being on my own at the beginning because it's me making all the running. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I put myself in a rehab situation, I can see quite clearly every day that I'm not on my own with this. Okay, I have to find my own way. But being put in that position where I have to learn to coexist with other people is Yeah, exactly. So there's a whole learning curve. I've been, been so isolated. Yeah. I have some really beautiful memories of just exchanges between me and other people. Laughs and comical things happened while we were <laughs> You always said you were going to do a fly on the wall. I think it would be a, a comedy drama <laughs> be a sketch thing, but based yeah, on certain experiences and incorporating certain types. Because as I know from working with rehab groups, there are certain types. Dr. Young was right in the first place about right, character so. archetypes, mm. in that you can see new faces, same types to a degree. And in terms of working with that, that's why rehabs have such experience with working with addicts and alcoholics. Mm is because there are certain typical character traits which come out in one form or another. Like you said about being a control freak, we all are to some degree, I oh, think. Yeah. And so, yeah. in a rehab scenario, there's loads of denial. There's loads of dishonesty. I think my worst was my emotional dishonesty. And I had to learn to be honest with myself. And I was put in a situation where I had to be. Mm. And a lot of what I did in rehab was the stuff that the wider world probably wonders what on earth do they do in there because anyone can get their head around what detox means detox means you get off the substance safely mm. especially with alcohol actually because it can kill you if you stop yeah. just straight away and an alcohol benzo detox takes longer any detox from benzos takes longer but opiate detox takes a considerable period of time too Anyone can get their head around that, but yeah. this idea of spending eight weeks in one house with between six and 15 other people and doing groups every day. I know that one of the GPs I used to see had absolutely no idea what that involved. No. And that it is actually looking at myself and looking at the way that I view other people and the way that they view me. And the self-perception that has got me to the point where I don't want to look in a mirror. And the fact that I don't function around other people at all anymore. And these are the things that we look at. You've mentioned a fair few of them already. The process is, it's about me finding myself. And I need those weeks to do that. I can't do that if I'm still in my home environment. No, I think the reality of feeling unwell, and you're going to, while you're withdrawing and you're coming off whatever you've been taking for god knows how long i wouldn't say it's unnoticeable but it's, it's alleviated by the fact that you are distracted to some degree you kind of dig deep and make yourself get on and do because there's things to be doing and they're not all mundane and laborious and nonsensical yeah. they're actually purposeful and they're therapeutic the people who organize that know what they're doing it's there for a reason and it might feel a slight on who you are or you're being told to change who you are. It just props you up, actually, when you don't feel the best. I've said this earlier about it being a blur, but it wasn't unbearable. 
to the point that I couldn't do any of the activities or get yeah. involved. I really got stuck in and I saw everybody else doing it and that spurs you on as well. You see people not having much sleep but still getting involved and doing the groups and talking and yeah. explaining how they feel and it's extremely helpful. And that's the crux of it for me because if I'm saying this to the, the uninitiated, the rehab thing is not just about getting you physically back in one piece and getting you eating three meals a day. It's actually about getting you mentally back on level. Yeah. Because as addicts and alcoholics, our perceptions become very warped and they have to be redressed and addressed by other people that understand why they've become so warped. Yeah. And unlike, well certainly unlike my mental health journey, which is a different thing entirely, the warps in perception I have because of my misuse of alcohol meant that my worldview had tipped kind of upside down in terms of my day-to-day and it's the day-to-day living in the world that needed addressing and I think it's very important that that is clear from the outset that when someone comes into rehab we're not just going to fix you physically as best we can we're actually going to set you up mentally so that you can learn how to live clean and sober and I would say that we're both living proof of that wonders for your self-esteem though that you can cope and manage the day-to-day stuff. We talked about the volunteering thing before. Do you think that going on into work is important and do you think it comes when it comes or do you think for some people it's better to do it sooner or? It's based on the individual so I can only talk from my own experience but I think you're in much more of an enlightened position to make those decisions. And I'm not saying that you'll have your hand held along the way because you're going to have to put yourself in certain situations oh, yeah, absolutely. that are going to be uncomfortable or a little bit intimidating maybe. I remember volunteering and the coordinator would go out the room, who was phenomenal by the way, would leave the room and say, take the group and I'd be just floundering and looking at all these early recovery guys who were going, she's an easy target, look at her. <laughs> well, she's got a big red face and she's looking absolutely... Petrified. Yeah. Yeah. I um, found that I would push through stuff like that and keep going. Be really proud of myself, you know, after just doing little bits here and there. And I'm not saying work for the treatment centre. I'm not advocating for people who are in recovery to work with people. For some people it works to do that. Absolutely. Swing with it. And if it does work for you, brilliant. For some it works, for others it doesn't so much work. And for some it's part of the journey. And I don't think rehabs necessarily expect that that's what people are going to do for a living. Groups, you know, you just find that you—it's magnetic. Actually, you find that you went giving back a little in some way, in some small way, even just to maybe answer the phone. I don't know. I'm not going to go through it. But there's numerous things that you can do. Been through treatment to work for uh, certainly our treatment centre. Yes, because Changes has a model that's very much based on peer support and also on the fact that people will gradually come through the system and do various bits of work within the organisation. But that's not to say that those bits of work are all about supporting treatment. And there's certainly no cast-iron expectation that that's what people are going to go and do. No, there isn't. It's not just expected and written. And there well, are I highly recommend you throw yourself into it, the things that are available and the opportunities that are there. Yeah, because they're safe opportunities, they're that's safe. another thing. And the fact that if they're safe opportunities, then it means that we can fold this lightly and still be picked up. I think it 
do feel that you could go to people and ask questions and get guidance, you, you know, absolutely, there is a platform to put yourself, not on offer, but to go, okay, can I do this? I'm going to have a go. Not early, but, you know, as you go through and feel it out. I think once you've got some physical strength and you feel your mind's clear around, you, your life is, well, it's been seldom peaceful, so it's going to feel more peaceful. Then you're going to really go and push yourself into trying new things. And, that, and that's what I found was easy, actually. Quite easy. And then I thought, okay, my brain's working and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying learning again. And, and then it was easy for me to find out what I wanted to go and study. And it's all a case of stepping stones, isn't it? I start doing this, I start doing that, and then suddenly another door opens, and maybe I didn't expect that door. And I found as well there was huge enthusiasm for you to go and, and find stuff out. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. You go in the office and they say, yeah. what, what are you interested in, man? And they go, yeah. yeah, have a look at this, or have you tried? And, and that, is, it's lovely, because their attention is on your best traits. So all the positivity is encouraging and probably not been in your life for a while. That kind of energy. It's a transformation thing, isn't it? That suddenly from being this nobody's cipher, interested, not even being that. human at all, suddenly yeah. finding, yeah, I can do these things. And yeah. actually, the only person who's pressuring me to say, I've got to go and do this or earn that is myself. Mm. And there are plenty of realistic avenues I might pursue. But I never thought I'd end up podcasting. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful and it's a mark on your versatility. But I it's a whole new world for it's me. A whole new, that's what's so hilarious about it. It's a whole new world and I'm actually becoming far more technically proficient than I it's ever believed I would I mean, be. I'm not suggesting this is. I'm on about the way that you're doing. You know. Oh, this will sound polished by Thank the time you. I finish with it, believe me. <laughs> that was part of my advisor today, that you would edit all the ums out. Oh, absolutely, yes. More than efficient. However long it may take, I've (laughs) done that many times before, and fortunately there are plenty of things out there that can assist me in editing. But seriously, the confidence to do new things and try new stuff. Oh, absolutely. Even with a backdrop of, you know, your experience, it's still different. It's still different, though, because it's me and machines. Yeah. I still argue with the PC. I'm arguing with the machine, rather than actually oh, yeah. asking okay. someone from IT, what do I do about this? I'm actually shouting at the monitor, which has then suddenly gone blank, and I take that as it's being sullen, yeah. not that it's run out of the time period that it stays on. And then eventually it all comes out all right, and I think, hang on, I did that. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, so I could rely on you to say it better than me. The naivety of some of the things I've done, but then I've been able to look back and go, that wasn't too bad at all. Yeah. And yeah. that was because I was supported in it. Yeah, and my catastrophization monitor is not on. Yeah. So I'm not planning how it's going to catastrophize itself or how it's going yeah. to go into a complete mess. All I'm doing is thinking, this is okay. Even though it's not the perfect thing that no. I might have envisaged, it's okay. Just even applying for a course was so oh, God, yeah. for me. And I've yeah. got all the help. I needed for that and then some and it just gave me a real solid base to pursue what I wanted to do and more things kept revealing themselves and I continued and that's all come from the detox yeah. onwards where I started to have a good look at me and a good look at my life and what had become of it and what I wanted it to be there was certainly a lot of gentleness with people around that I just found it happened and it's still happening 
Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Rehab's an opportunity, not a sentence. It's true. It's you can change your entire life. I mean, there was, how could you feel like you were being punished if you were suffering that much? For me, that's just felt like a relief. And you can only live on relief for so long, so then you have to maintain it. And that'd be quick for the rest of it. Sometimes with going into rehab, people do have to make decisions because there is some degree of cost involved with going in in the yeah, first I, place. I if you look at the long-term results, then the long-term results make that cost look pretty minimal anyway. You're completely rebooting yourself. You're completely starting again. You are changing all the things that have got you into this shell of a human being. Yeah. And actually, at what cost continuing? Yeah. At what cost leaving it? At what cost leaving it until you're, well, either dead or in hospital and ending up in rehab anyway? Do you think that it's got better, though, that people are more informed? And I don't mean the inquiries on social media, I mean the professionals. I do think professionals are slightly more informed. I've done a few things for AA, yeah. and I've done a few things around mutual aid yeah. as well. And certainly the stuff I've done around mutual aid, it's quite clear that there is more understanding out there. Yeah. The biggest issue we seem to have out there is we don't seem to have enough engagement from people making the leap from knowing that the rehab's there to actually contacting. So there will be, a, can you send me some information? But there won't be, I think I need rehab. And then we don't get the engagement, maybe from a family that think, a family member needs rehab. Yeah. There's still a kind of blockage there. And I think there's still some work to do in terms of coordinating services, perhaps. Yeah. Because, of course, most rehabs are third sector. And you can't expect them to do all the jobs they do day in, day out, and then coordinate themselves, between themselves. That's where there is something lacking. And while I think people know about rehabs, they may have the wrong idea of what they do. is quite possible, and part of what this is about is talking again and again about what rehabs do, why they do it, and why it's bloody important. And also the fact that give it time and it works. Well, I don't want to get political because I'll embarrass myself, but the fact that Clarity was no longer a residential mm. facility for such a period of time and now there is another one. It's very important that it's we've got another extremely one. Extremely important. Even just the conversations that emerge because you're in recovery and you wish upon wish to say to somebody, do you know about Clarity House? It's no longer there. And there was a huge gap in that kind of... You've got people not getting into a dry house process because they can't detox in order yeah. to do it, whereas that is now being dealt with and now there is going to be Absolutely. another detox and changes are doing it. Which is great. Right, I'm going to end you with a couple of fun questions, Rachel, Yay. as I promised. Amazon or street shopping? Street shopping because I don't think it's good for me to be on Amazon because I find that... I like putting stuff in the basket and leaving it there, but... I find that I'm out and about, I see things, I see more. My landscape's bigger. Whenever I open my Amazon basket, there are always things in there. There's crazy stuff in there where I've been on some spree, which is looking like a three grand or something I'm spending. Well, I wouldn't even know how to drive it properly until COVID. And I do have some resentment making them even richer than they are. Big tech and consumerism is off the shop. But just getting out and about and walking around the shops, I don't understand people that go just to look. I no. go with a purpose and money yeah. in my pocket. And then I can do without the hustle, bustle and the queuing. But I think it's far better for me, personally, to go around the shops. Actually, as I get older, 
I hear yeah. myself sounding just like my mum and go, oh, isn't that dear little thing? I prefer street shopping, although, of course, shopping in the high street, I usually have to be accompanied. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's I, your I, lawn to I yourself. I do prefer it. You're a liability. Okay, lastly. Yes, it's official, <laughs> I'm a liability. When shopping. Me shopping, yeah. Last thing, I suppose, just to round off. Let's say that Warner Brothers have given you an unlimited budget to make a film of your life. Oh Who would you God. have play yourself? I was hoping you'd ask me a music question. I like Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think she'd do the dishevelled, clumsy, trying to be gracious bit. And just knowing that her life's a mess and wants some help. But yeah, yeah, Maggie Yeah, Gyllenhaal. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> Musically, what did you want me to ask? Well, haven't you asked previously people what their favourite songs are? Because I haven't got one. I have asked. <laughs> What's your recovery song? That's what I'm... And occasionally I might ask, not necessarily recorded, what was the one song that defines the end of your addiction? Oh, well, that's maudlin. Because I think of both, yeah. It's kind of like looking at the previous picture and the new picture thing. Hourly, I will think of the last song and then the, the first song. Well, I do that with The Walking Dead. I used to binge watch it on my sofa, very, very poorly. Yeah. That was right at the end of my drinking. And for me... I thought, that's going to be difficult to watch now there's a new season on. And actually, I find it exhilarating to know that I'm not sitting drunk watching an apocalypse. Completely different lens, and I'm seeing far more than I would have seen before. Even though I don't think this last season is as good as the beginning. But it's like who I was then and who I am now, watching a similar programme. But it's got some significance. I understand that one, because I was watching ITV3 with Pete again and again and again with subtitles. So I wasn't really watching at all. No. But it was just on. And it's certainly the same for me with music as well. It was the same stuff, repeating, repeating, repeating. And bizarrely enough, the first song that jumped at me... Go on. ...as I came to in recovery was R.E.M. and It's the End of the World as We Know. We know. <laughs> and it would still be on my Desert Island discs if I did that now. What I was going to say was because I realised that I wasn't alert. I think what happened was there wasn't a song, but... Hosey was playing in Clarity House when we were doing it. It reminds me we were doing therapeutic duties and Take Me to Church was on. Now, there's some significance with that song for me anyway, but not because it's a recovery song, because that sounds a bit naff. It wasn't an uplifting song even, but what it did was get me interested again in music. Yeah. So I remember it playing quite a lot at that time, when I was just after detox. And then I come out of treatment, and when I seen him live, it blew me away. As an artist and as a musician, I realised how much I'd missed it. I wasn't listening to music to indulge in my own self-pity. I was listening to yeah. the skill of the man stood there playing the guitar. and Playing again was my... Play, yeah, yeah. So for and, you as a musician... And actually composing again, yeah. which came later. Yeah. It took a while with that. That took a year and a half. But playing again and not pressurising myself and playing, just playing. And it all came back in a different way. Yeah. And... I don't listen to things in the same way as I did when I was drunk. Yeah. And I actually listen. Yeah. And I actually hear. Yeah, like the planes. Um, well, it's a minor thing, and I'm so used to them now, I don't notice them. Anyway, <laughs> I think we've reached time now, and thanks ever so much, Rachel. Um, Thank you, Rich. <laughs> and it's, it's very important to us that we have stories and viewpoints from those who've been through a rehab process and I won't say survived it because survived isn't the right word no. it's those of us that have been through it and grown from it which is what it's for 
So, wonderful to see you, wonderful to have you on, and we'll do it again sometime. Thank you. And with that, we'll love you and leave you, and it's, well, I would say I'll see you next week, but Ronnie keeps telling me that I don't see you, so you'll hear me next week. And if you want to get in contact, we're on the Changes Facebook page or we're on Twitter as Recovery Central. Similarly, as we've been talking about rehab, if there are any issues that have been raised for you by what you've heard, then you're welcome to make inquiries at Changes. Do seek help wherever you find it. It's out there and just tell it like it is. It's the only way forward sometimes. Have a lovely weekend. God bless.